The book of Luke chapter 5, it is a a story, it is a setting where Jesus is actually uh, teaching and where he is teaching there are Pharisees and doctors of the law that have gathered to where he's teaching in this house and uh, the Bible says at this point there was power for healing in this location. So this is a setup and a scenario where there are lots of people who are wanting to hear what Jesus has to say and there are possibly some critiquers uh, who are there to just sort of see if this is really, really, if he's really legitimate. And the Bible says that there was an environment and there was power for miracles to take place. So when there's an environment and there's an opportunity for miracles to happen, then all kinds of people show up. People who are um, sick and people who are healers of the sick. So the setting of Jesus Christ being in a confined location gives us the identity that possibly the wealthy, possibly the uh, learned, possibly the commoner, and very obviously those who were afflicted had come to where Jesus was. I like it that the church has a broad uh, perspective, that the church is not just for one select need or requirement that's either obvious or not obvious. If the person that you see has nowhere to live and may have come because they are absolutely homeless and have nowhere to go, the church is a welcoming place for everyone. Whether you have uh, lots of money or whether you have no money, uh, whether you're well educated or whether you have no education, regardless of where you may be, if you're sick or if you're well, um, if you have much or you have little, Jesus was always available to everybody. And his presence drew lots of people. So when you look around sometimes at church and, and you can see individuals who may have needs and you will see people who may not have needs and you can see obvious things, but yet you know there's some things that are not obvious but are there. Everybody is drawn to Jesus. It's sort of, uh, it's sort of important for us to recognize that we may or may not know the need that re- is residing in the person sitting behind you or in front of you or across the aisle in another section, but the truth is we all have a need. We all have a need, and we're drawn to where Jesus is because he's the one that can meet my need as well as your need. And so there's a gathering place. There's a gathering place. There's an actual location. There's a house. This is in verse 17 where this has come together and Jesus is there. And there was those who were, uh, had been somehow uh, coached into bringing a man who was in great need, who had palsy, who could not walk under his own power, and he convinced uh, 
others to bring him to this house, this gathering place where Jesus actually was at. So when they got there, um, when they brought him, they could not find a way to bring him in because of the multitude. There was a large group of people that had gathered and so much that they couldn't get through the door to, you know, uh, adequately place him in the presence of Jesus to see what would happen. So these men that brought him uh, became a little bit creative and went up on the top of the house, the roof of the house, and found a way to get this need, this man with this need, to the presence of Jesus. Because they had been convinced in some way or another that either they had seen Jesus do something for them or theirs, or the man who was in need had seen or heard that Jesus could do things. There was some sort of a strong belief. As a matter of fact, it's captured in Luke chapter 5 and verse 20. That's where it's captured. That one verse in verse 20 states that when, they, when Jesus saw their faith, their faith, not just the man who had the need, but when Jesus saw collectively those who were carrying the man with palsy, the man, the, the, the people who took him up on the roof and found the strategic location and did whatever they needed to do to get Jesus in the presence, or this man in the presence of Jesus, that had to be faith to believe if we can just do this, he can make a difference. So that's verse number 20 of Luke chapter number 5. And I, my subject really derives from verse number 20 here tonight. And my subject from, from this uh, inclusive statement that Jesus didn't recognize just one of their faith, but all of their faith, all of them that was there. He saw their faith. My subject is simply this, help me get there. Help me get there. I feel like for this year, and I don't, know, I don't know when the Lord's coming, and you don't know when the Lord's coming, and anybody that you talk to don't know when the Lord's coming, just for some insight. Uh, but we do need to occupy until he comes. We need to work until he comes. There is a, there is a call for us to do a work until the Lord comes calls us away by the way of the grave or until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ which catches us up together into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But we must occupy, we must continue our labor, our working, our efforts, our faith, our prayer, our commitment. And so in this process of, of continuing I feel like that God is calling the church in the hour in which we live, and especially TPC. I, I, I can't speak to everybody and for everybody or even to everybody, 
but I certainly have a confirmation in my spirit as leader of this congregation and, and all the TP congregations that God is calling us that we are to move into a place of commitment for the, the results for the kingdom is necessary. The fields are white and ready for harvest. And I believe the Lord is waiting for laborers to come into the field. I believe the Lord is waiting for laborers to come into the field. You, you hear me often say that I'm really preaching and teaching to leaders. <laughs> You're a leader. God's going to use you. I think the church is going to be a harvesting place where people are going to get the Holy Ghost in your houses. They're going to get the Holy Ghost in other locations. We're going to come baptize them. And they're going to they're become laborers in the vineyard. There's not going to be really the time to have a continued maintenance program. We're not, everybody's going to be, every service is going to be a service of inspiration, a service that we're going to lay hands on one another. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to pray one for another. And God's going to utilize the body to go forward so that the body can be blessed and God can add to the church daily such as should be saved, which is the original purpose in the book of Acts. So I really believe God is, and you're doing it, and we're going to continue to walk in that. But I believe God is using us to become uh, equipped and prepared. And, and I'm, I'm thankful and I'm, I'm excited about the urgency of all of us finding a place that we can serve and do more for the kingdom of God. And so this is my, this is my question here tonight and my request here tonight and my ask here tonight. Help me Get there. I don't know what promises were made to the man born of four. I don't, I don't know what, how he was able to convince them to do what they'd done. But somehow he, they bought in to his need. Somehow they, they visually, somehow they physically, somehow they emotionally bought in. To he had a need, and we are going to help him get there. Now, I just want to tell you that I think the body of Christ, we need one another. I need you, and you need me. We need each other. And so it's important that we always remember, and we don't get too far from the fact that we need one another but there, there needs to constantly be that recognition that whether it's away from the church, not on the campus property at 3700 Kelly Highway or other locations, but if you have, if you see and you know and you feel there is a need around you, respond to that. Respond to that. By a way of however God's calling you, if it's in, if it's in the field of encouragement or if it's in the field of giving, or if it's in the field of, of prayer, or if it's in the field of imparting biblical knowledge and teaching, uh, it's our requirement. It's our blessing. It's our part. It's our labor in the kingdom to help somebody get to Jesus. Whatever I have to do, however I have to do it, 
And everybody has different scenarios and everybody has a little different world. People that you know may be inclined to listen to what you have to say versus what I have to say. Because you know them, you work with them, they're your family, they're your closest friend. You went to school with them, you helped them through a difficult time. They know you, they trust you, you know them, you trust them. The Bible talks about that we're labors together. You and I, for them, with God. So it's, it's vitally important as we race the clock before the rapturing of the church that we urgently find a way that you can help me how to get to Jesus and I can help you how to get to Jesus. See, this is more than ministry at TPC is more for the pastors here, myself, Brother Patrick, Brother Wes, Pastor Levi, Brother Marcus, all, all of us who are ministering in some way, Bishop, all of this is totally, it's not just about getting up here and saying and doing something to have a job, to get a paycheck, to be in a position. That's not what it's about for us. We don't pick up books and somebody has a formatted lesson for me to teach tonight. I pray, I study, I research, I look at it again. I look at it in different views trying to find exactly what the Lord is saying in this verse that I might be able to impart not just a lesson or a message or a sermon, but impart the will of God that can be spoken that would create clarity and calling into our hearts and souls. Why? Because it's important that what I'm saying or what any of our ministers are saying or teaching or preaching or leading is helping all of us to help somebody get to Jesus. At the end of the day, we are in desperate need of him. People are in desperate need of him. I am in desperate need of him. I don't know what's going to happen today that I'm going to need to rely on him more than I've ever needed to rely on him. You don't know what tomorrow brings. You don't have that clarity. So what am I? You need Jesus on your job and in your family and in your health and with your relationships. We need, so what do we do? Somebody has got to help us get to him. Somebody has got to fulfill the opportunity to find the place. Because when we get to Jesus, this is not just a external blessing that's coming. What God is about to do is way beyond what you can see or even understand. That's what in this setting of Luke chapter number 5 so disrupted those Pharisees and doctors of law sitting there. What so disrupted them was Jesus did not say the, you know, just statements of physical healing. Jesus didn't say okay, you've been so faithful to do what you're doing, then I'm going to bless you today. I'm going to give you an extra pillow. Or I'm going to provide a stronger cot. He didn't just give commendation to those who were, you're awfully kind to support such a person. Jesus spoke at this moment something that's very spiritual and eternal. And sometimes that's what we miss that God is doing in a setting, whether it be in the church or outside of the church. 
Whether it be in a personal conversation on the job or riding down the road on the phone or over a meal with somebody. This is more than just a fellowship or a get-together. This is something that is eternal. Jesus did not just approach or declare or deal with the physical condition that was obvious. Jesus spoke and said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And it stirred up all of those who had some, you know, some sort of knowledge of the law that said there's only one that can forgive sins, and that's God. What are you doing? Well, that should have been a revelation at that moment that this is more than just a good teacher. This is more than just a rabbi. This is more than just a good man who can do miracles. This is God manifest in flesh. That should have been the revelation that they got, that he's not just a second person, that he's not just some entity that represents heaven, but this is God manifest in flesh. But Jesus was speaking something that was more than just external. It was internal. It was saying there's some weightier issues in your life than just you walking. There's some weightier issues in your life than, than you having feeling in your feet and your legs that you haven't had for years. The weightier issue is that no matter if you ever walk again, no matter if you ever have the ability to walk and to run and to work, the most important thing is that your sins are forgiven. Somebody take me to Jesus. Help me get to him because I'm not just asking for a physical miracle. I'm asking and I'm here and I want to be a part of this because I want my sins to be forgiven. I'm here because this is about eternal matters in my life. And I never know when I'm talking to somebody that the, the light's not going to come on in my head about what I need to do. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm still unforgiving. And if I'm talking to you about God forgiving you, all of a sudden I might see, wait a minute. He really has forgiven me. It could be at that moment that something changes within my own thinking to say, I have been delivered from shame. I've been living in a personal condemnation for years, but it didn't happen until I was talking to this person over here about how God forgives us. And that person says, but you don't know my life. You don't know what I've done. And your response to them is yes, but Jesus will forgive you no matter what you've done. You're in the process of helping them to Jesus, but while you're doing that, something is happening to you. And Jesus knew this because this is not just about good works for others. This is about faith. Jesus' actions is a continual, uh, progressive revelation that this is not about what people think about me. This is not about me trying to do tricks. This is not about me trying to get a reputation. You got to show up, man. He does cool stuff. But this is about sins being forgiven. This is about people's neighborly actions turning into, hey, I recognize your faith. This man is healed and his sins are forgiven because of your faith. 
Jesus is looking at a hole in the roof saying, this happened because of what you did. What you've been a part of is changing his life eternally. But the continued result of that moment is now four guys who's on the roof, when they come down, now they feel like, wait a minute, something has changed in my life. Now Jesus has declared that I have faith. I came here just doing works and now my works has turned into faith. I was just trying to be kind or I was just tired of hearing him complain, one of the two, and whatever reason I'm here, now all of a sudden I came for one purpose, but look, something else has happened and now there's a dual purpose that's happened. We become people of faith when we help people get to Jesus. We are helped as well as the people that need to be with Jesus. Because walking is not the only condition that needs to be the miracle today. Just the fact that there's somebody who is lame, Jesus has said, I didn't come here just to heal a lame man. I came here to forgive sin. I came here to call out the gift of faith that's in your life. That all comes about when we begin the process of responding to the need around us. Help me, help me, help me get there. So then Jesus didn't stop at just the spiritual and eternal. He did turn it around and say, what's easier for me to say thy sins be forgiven thee or take up your bed and walk? So if you want to hear the words, take up your bed and walk. So this man is eternally forgiven and Physically healed in the same setting on the same day in the same place because somebody helped him to get there. Jesus is doing physical miracles, but he's also doing spiritual miracles. All in the action of the church. The action of the church. I want to tell you what's happening even right now around this campus. There's children down there that they're, I don't know what their, their lesson plan is tonight, but somebody's got a lesson plan. And if I know what's happening in that children's building, somebody's probably being funny and goofy and, and they're getting the, the kids' attention and they're sharing a plan in an environment that those children can understand what's being said. So all of us, you know, solemn, sincere, sensitive Adults, matured individuals would say, that did not apply to me. I need something that's a little more rich in the spirit. Feed me the meat. But the, kid, the children down there choked to death on a good, they don't have a clue about some of the stuff. But they do understand that a guy was swallowed by a fish. They get that, that somebody got on a boat and rode for days and days and days and days and it was dark and it was rainy and oh, they smelled in the dark. They get all that. So tonight, while we're up here having this service, there's others and there's students, there's youth, there's teenagers and, another, and there's, there's also a hyphen group that's just trying to 
find out who they are and what they're going to do next and how they're going to make it through college or what they're going to do in a career and they're seeking God and they're one. And the Lord is using all kinds of conversations, not just for them to just get through a night and be inspired, but God's taking care of some things. There's some physical healings that happen in children's ministry. And there's some, there's some spiritual things that happen in children's ministry. There's some callings and there's some, God is stirring their heart and God is speaking some things to them. And that's why through Bible quizzing and through Bible study and through children's ministry and through the word of God, children and youth and hyphen and young marriage and all the rest of us put together, single or married or whatever your age may be, whatever the situation may be, God is saying, I want to do something beyond what you can even imagine. You came to be healed so you can walk away from here today. But I come to heal you, but I also came to take away some shame and condemnation in your life. Because the, the adulting thing is, is to hang on to stuff. You know, the kids say, Mommy, I'm sorry. Okay, you're forgiven. Okay, thank you. And they run off their way and they don't ever think of it again. Well, I can't believe they didn't remember that. I don't forget any of that. If somebody does me wrong, I'm hanging on to it. But if we help one another get to Jesus, God wants to heal us of unforgiveness. God wants to heal us of shame. God wants to deliver us from all of the cocoon that we have covered ourselves in to isolate us from anybody that might know anything different about us other than what they see. God wants us to be healed externally and internally. He wants us to be forgiven and delivered and set free internally and externally. And that's what this is about. But would you help me get there? How about, how about developing a friendship with somebody? How about reconciling an argument with somebody? How about being the first one to say, I am sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. It's nine words that'll change relationships all the way around you. Sometimes you have to take the side of being wrong in order for the situation to be corrected. I want to get there. I'm trying to get to the place of Jesus because God is wanting to set me free in the same time that he's delivering somebody else. I don't know that I'm a man of faith until I'm helping somebody get to Jesus who can't walk. And then I start finding out from him. When you show up with somebody, talking with somebody, bringing somebody, praying with somebody, sitting in your living room, telling, a, teaching a Bible study to somebody, on the job, just telling someone that you overheard that their mother was sick or their brother was sick, just saying, I'm going to be praying for your brother. What, what are you doing? You're moving into a place where you're exercising a faith that you didn't even know you had. And God is doing some things in you and through you and doing that for them as well. They're the ones that need to get there. But when you, when you help get them to where they need to be, then God is doing so many other amazing things. And this is the conclusion of the matter. In verse number 26. 
after the man had got up, walked out of the house with his cot. The Bible says in verse 26, they were all amazed and they glorified God. And they were all filled with fear or great respect or awe, saying, we have seen strange things today. That's what they, they, they were just moved with what happened in this place. We're all there to hear this, you know, highly intelligent man speak on all kinds of highly intelligent subjects and share all kinds of information. And all of a sudden there's a guy that's being let down in the middle of all of this when there's Pharisees and doctors of law and disciples and followers and and those who came having a need in their life. And all of a sudden, in the multitude of all these people, somebody's let down and we've we seen a man forgive sins and a man raise him up another man. Jesus has done all. And whenever they got done, they were amazed and they began to glorify God. They begin to offer a voice of praise and they begin to realize that they were convinced that Jesus was not just a good teacher in a house, but Jesus was more than that. They began to glorify God, giving glory and praise unto God for what had happened in that moment on that day. As a matter of fact, they said, we have seen some strange things. We've seen things we've never seen before. Are you ready to see things happen that you have never seen before? You heard it talked about, you read a book about it, you've seen a documentary on it, somebody came by and preached it, but you've never seen that happen before. It's a strange thing to you, not an impossible thing, but it's just something you haven't seen before. And God said, you know when you're going to see it? When you start helping people get there. That's when you're going to see it. Well, I've never seen that kind of person. I, I know so-and-so, but I, I've never seen them. I don't have any idea how in the world they could ever make that turn to serve God and find God. Just do your part in linking up and bringing that person to that place and watch what God will do. He'll do strange things. Strange things. Now, there's this, there's this book that uh, Jonathan Sachs wrote, and it's called The Dignity of Difference. And this is what he, he made a comment that I liked in this book. And he said, optimism is the belief that things will be better. Things will be better. That's optimism. Oh, I believe things will be better. But he said, hope is the faith that together we can make things better. That's hope. Optimism is that, hey, everything's going to be better. Well, this is the fact that it takes very little courage to be an optimist. Don't take much courage to be an optimist. You just say, things are going to be better, and you leave. You just say, you who are thirsty, I hope you find water. I believe you will. Keep looking. Optimist says, you'll find clothes to those of you who are naked. You'll find clothes. Just keep looking. I believe you will, with a smile and a blink. It can happen for you. You're a great optimist. 
but you're not expressing hope. Hope goes beyond optimism. You must have courage when you have hope. You must take somebody else to where they need to be when you have hope. And you must present them to someone who has proven to actually provide. So optimism is easy, but hope is active. It is saying, I will take you to where he is because I know that he can make a difference in your life. So if we aren't careful, we'll just really take the bite of being a Christian or apostolic to say we're people of great faith when we're actually saying we're people of we're great optimists. <laughs> we come patting each other on the back saying we're growing and there's nothing growing. Our church is the best. Oh, we got the greatest church and there's nothing going on. We're just smiling and just, but hope says, I am going to get them to Jesus. And all around us, there are people everywhere that are saying, would you help me? Would you please help me? Would you encourage me? Would you, would you spend time with me? Would you sit down and talk to me? It's people that's not even wanting $5 or $10. They're just wanting your time to say, would you call me? I know it's a task. I know it's a chore. But would you call me in the mornings? Would you text me at lunch? Would you call me in the evenings when we get off of work? Would you just be there to tell me I'm going through something? And the fact is, they won't need that forever. But right now, they need you to expend some energy and give some hope to them saying, you can make it. You can go through this. You will overcome this. I know you're struggling. I know you're hurting. I know you're, in, I know you're in peril. I know things are going. But don't just stand at a difference and say, yeah, I think you're going to make it. Just stay on that path. And they just went through a divorce, and they're emotionally a wreck, and they're sitting somewhere in their house thinking, I've gotta, I don't have anything worth living for anymore. I've lost everything that matters. What are you going to do? How can we help them? What can you say? Allow God to use you to help that person that's going through an emotional battle in their life. They lost their job. Or, or they just can't, they can't be what, for whatever reasons, they're struggling emotionally and physically and and spiritually, and they don't know enough about God, or they do know about God, but they have just separated themselves so long from Him until they don't know what God is doing. I was recently at a church where uh, just it was just amazing. I was recently at a church where on a on a midweek service, out of nowhere, a person just came through and came to the service and. When they were there, they saw somebody else that they hadn't seen in a long time that used to be a really good friend, but they, their lives and their paths just kind of went separate directions. And this person had walked away from the Lord and been through all kinds of stuff, and now she was trying to get her life back together, and, and she just happened to walk in. And in that service, as that pastor was ministering, God began to move, and, and it happened to be a night where there was a, a, a time of, 
of communion. And in that service, God began to do some things. And that lady began to weep and cry. And God began to move and renew her relationship with him and renew her in the Holy Ghost. And it was a Wednesday night ordinary service when it was, you know, talking about being cleansed in your heart through communion and all those things that God was doing. It just happened to be so that happened on a Wednesday. And then Monday, just out of the clear, tremendous tragedy, lost her life. We don't know what God's doing. He's just bringing people through into your life. And just one invitation. Somebody just reminded her and told her about the church and who, who was some of the people that were there. And it just out of nowhere showed up. God knows what he's doing. Help me get there is the cry of a man who's got palsy, a man who can't walk, a man who's sick. Help me get there. So I got my own set of problems. I got my own set of questions. I got my own set of doubts. I got my own set of confusion. I got my own set of fears. God will change that. If you'll help them get there, God will change that. And you may come saying, we've seen him do it, we believe he can do it, and put them there, but all of a sudden it's not going to just be about them that you brought, it's going to be about you. So it's important that we execute hope with action. Anybody feel what I'm saying here today? The church has got to go into action. The church must go into action. And these serving... These serving groups that you will see as you exit tonight and as you come in Sunday and as you leave Sunday, pray about this. Find a way. I'm going to tell you, things powerful happen when you're in this sanctuary vacuuming. It does for me. I get a vacuum in here and I'll be vacuuming around. I love mopping this. Well, I don't really love it, but I don't, need, I don't mean to lie in the pulpit. But I do love it. There's something about just taking care of the house of God. Nobody makes me do that. Now, I did tell them, would y'all take my wife off the list? She keeps her name on the list to clean. That's her doing that. Everybody's tried to get her name off the list. She keeps her name on the cleaning list. I said, would you just please take her name off? I went in the office. I said, I know I don't have a lot of, you know, power here. I'm just the pastor, but... Could you please take Sister Pastor off of the cleaning list? Because if she's on it, then I end up. So it becomes the Sullivan family night cleaning and we're vacuuming. But I want to tell you, it's powerful that what God does. You get behind that. It's the coolest little machine to drive that they somebody got at... You just put water in that thing with some solution, and then you just push that. It's really cool. You just push it all over the place. Wherever there's concrete, you just push it, and it cleans and scrubs and all that stuff. Just something about going through the, you know, the baptistry and the, and the dressing rooms. I've been praying all over this church. God, whoever's here in the name of Jesus, everybody's here. I'm praying for all the seats and all the altar area. I'm praying for all the people on the platform when I'm up here mopping. God. Now, I don't have to do that. I don't want you to think I'm, oh, my Lord, we're in trouble. The pastor's having to clean the church. I choose to do these things to serve. I, I want to serve. It's my church, too. 
I, I don't want to do all of it. There's a book out there if you don't mind signing that thing and let's have to get some help around here, okay? 30 minutes or so will be good with me. So you sign up out there and let's get you involved. But the point is if you can serve somewhere doing something, driving a van to bring people to the house of God, we need some, now if you, gotta, if you can't drive, please don't sign up on the, I believe God's going to help me and teach me to drive. To do No, we don't want you driving, all right? But if you can drive and you're, you can find directions to people's house, why? Because we're trying to get people to the house of God. Somebody's going to come that's going to be struggling or hurt. We don't know what tonight. Somebody's got to get something tonight because this night be the last Wednesday night they have. I don't know that, and you don't know that, but we got to get people to Jesus because something is about to happen that's going to change everybody's life, theirs and mine, all at the same time. Help me get there. Galatians 6 and 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. That's Galatians 6 and 1. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Don't be judgmental about somebody that's made a mistake. Be compassionate, meek, and help them. Restore them. Listen, this church has got to be more a church of restoration. People are messing up and people are making mistakes and people need a place to come where they can find healing and restoration. I'm praying God will just bring them in. No matter where they've been or what they've done or who they are, God will just bring in a, a healing in their soul, a, a, a renewing of his spirit and a restoration in their life. I believe in it. We're not judges, we're meek. We're meek and restore. Why? Because I may also put myself in a place where if I'm judgmental, I can be tempted beyond what I can stand. And then I become the one that's overtaken in a fault. But if I'm meek and I'm, I'm restoring and I'm, I'm merciful, then God's going to give me strength and mercy and grace. Verse 2 of Galatians chapter 6 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, so fulfilling the law of Christ. Bear ye one another's burdens. You must be the one to bring them to Jesus, to bear their burden. Now you read two or three verses down later, it says bear your own burdens. You are ultimately responsible for what you're doing. But regardless of what you've done or what you're doing, I'm helping you get to the one who is able to bring revelation to you, who is able to help you repent of your sins, who is able to put you on a path of restoration and say, here you go. you got a brand new lease on life. God is restoring that person. Bear you one another's burdens. Bear ye one another's burdens. Bear ye one another's burdens. Bear, help somebody get to Jesus. I know it's a burden. It's a burden with the phone call at midnight or two in the morning. It's a burden to go have another lunch. It's a burden to do what you're doing. It's easier just to write a check and to show up and wave. Thank you for writing the check. Thank you for coming and waving. But there's a greater burden 
There's somebody lost and hungry that needs a, a meal, that needs food, that needs a time, that needs your insight, your energy. There's young couples that want to know, how can my marriage be strong? You made it for 40 years, tell them. It ain't always going to be easy. You're going to have to forgive a lot. You're going to have to get over stuff. Share something with somebody that's going to help them go to the next level in their life. Somebody's got teenagers and somebody's already been through the time where your children were teenagers. Help them. Some of y'all got a teenager instead of an eight-year-old. Somebody tell them, you'll make it through eight. You'll make it past five. You, one day you'll be out of dirty diapers. It happens, to you, the kids will grow up. You will survive this. One day your teenagers will think you are absolutely crazy, lost your mind. And then one day you will hear your children say, I didn't know you were that smart. It changes. Somebody needs to be telling these people that's got two or three kids, four or five, eight or 10 or 12 kids, you need to tell them, this too shall pass. <laughs> but please hang around because they're gonna need somebody else to be telling them when they're teenagers, this too shall pass. We need to bring people to Jesus and say, he's gonna, I will help you bear this burden to get you where you need to be because God is going to take care of you. You don't know that the little man in your house may be a preacher. The little lady in your house may be a preacher or a teacher. You don't know that they may be a, a songwriter or a singer or a musician. You don't know that God may call them to be a missionary somewhere in this river valley or out of this river valley. But God could put a calling on them that could, you're right now wiping their nose and tying their shoes and saying, sit down and eat your broccoli. And the whole time Jesus is saying, I'm putting something in them. I'm putting, that, they got something in that children's service. They got something in that HYC. They got something in that Sunday morning service. They, God done something through that song and through that message. God spoke to them. God's calling them. Something is happening. Just keep bringing them to Jesus. I know it's a burden. I know you don't feel like it. I know you'd rather sleep in. Get up and get to the house of God. I know you got to sit around and wait for them to get done. They're having church on a Wednesday night. While you're having church, we're finished over here with our Bible study. They're still over there laid out in the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. You're going to have to wait an extra 30 minutes. Don't stomp in there saying, come on and get up. We got to go home. You got to go to school. School is not more important than your teenager speaking in tongues. Bring them and let him do what he does. Because you don't know what they're going to be dealing with at school. Somebody lying on them. Somebody hitting on them. Somebody bullying them. You can't sit at school and watch them every hour. But when the Holy Ghost is moving with those students and God is doing something, do you have an extra 45 minutes? I got something for you to do. 
Come over and get you a vacuum cleaner. I got a mop with your name on it. We're still trying to get glitter off of this stage after the Christmas program. Get your get you a rag and something. I got something for you to do. But let your kids and now your kids go pick them up, all right? Let your every every adult's out of energy down there, but go on over there to the youth department and wait on them. God's doing something. Don't don't go pick them up out of the all out of the floor until it's over. Now, if you got to get them up after a while and take them home drunk in the Holy Ghost, you need to be weeping and crying. Get down in the floor and worship with them and cry with them. If you're gonna go over there, just get down there and get you some too. Let the Holy Ghost take care of the whole house. I'm just telling you, our children are fighting devils more than you know. I drove by the high school, this, I, and I do it frequently, but I drove by the high school last week, and I drove slow, and I drove intentional. I spoke to every devil and every demon and every spirit and every addiction in that high school. I spoke over You do what you want to do. My kid's in that high school. I drove by and spoke over and I dispatched angels at every door and every window, and I said that the angels of the Lord just cup their wings and hover over that building. You can do what you want to do, but I'm bringing mine to the altar and I'm taking the angels to wherever they're going to be spending seven or eight hours a day. And that's why our kids are having, they're having Bible studies. On Wednesday mornings, when you wake up, you need to be praying for our, I know here at Southside and Northside High School, and I think it's some of the other, I think there's one of our elementary, our, our middle schools, we have Bible studies going on at Wednesday mornings at 7.30, and our students are teaching, and there's 8 and 10 and 15 teenagers that are coming that don't know anything about this apostolic truth. And your young people are teaching them the word of God. And the last couple of weeks it's been on, uh, it's been because they felt like there's a spiritual attack in my school. What do I do? And so somebody told them, go to the armor of God. And they've been teaching on Wednesday mornings at 7.30 the last two weeks on the armor of God. You can overcome spiritual attacks in your, this is happening every week in your school system here in Fort Smith or wherever your kids are going to school because our kids are apostolic. Well, I think we'll just stay home and watch it online tonight. Get your hide in your car and bring them to this church. They need God. And if you're not doing that, you need God too. So all of you come. Thank you, Bishop. Bishop said I'm all right. So as long as he's nodding, I'm going to stay with it. Bring them to Jesus. Can't get your coworker to come? Bring your children. Bring your mother-in-law and father-in-law. Bring your brother and your sister. So they don't live here. Pray them here. If it'll save them, pray them here. I don't want them to go to hell. If they're lost and they need God, pray them here where they can get the Holy Ghost. 
And they maybe end up going back to wherever they were so they can take the gospel wherever they came from. But let's do what we can to see the souls that are lost come to Jesus. It's a burden. But it's a burden that we've all got to bear. And we've got to bring it. Hebrews 13, 15, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do good and to communicate, forget not. First, with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit, submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for it is profitable, unprofitable for you. Let us offer up the sacrifice of praise continually. 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 That is the fruit of your lips. But then to do good and to communicate. Verse number 16 is what I want you to grasp from that. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. You've got to open your mouth and you've got to communicate It's great to praise and worship, but you gotta communicate, you gotta talk, you gotta say it. You gotta bring them to him. Romans 12 and 10, I'm, I'm trying to close. Romans 12 and 10, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. We've got to do something to connect with somebody to bring them to him. Proverbs 3.27, withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Don't withhold doing good to someone when it's in your hand the power to do it. If you can help somebody, help them. If you can do something, do it. Stop just being optimistic. Do something. It's in the power of your hand to do something. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You can get so focused on your stuff that you cannot even see that people around you have nothing. Say, I'm really struggling. Struggling compared to who? Bill Gates? Okay. But the person that don't have a home or food or a friend, I think you're doing all right. Don't just continually look for yourself and on yourself, but look on others. And when you look on others, let there be a compelling call in your soul and spirit to say, you know what, I can at least walk. This man can't even walk. So I'm going to get him. I'm going I'm to put him on something, and I'm going to talk everybody else into getting together. We've got to take this person to Jesus so that he can have what we have. So I got a question for you here tonight. What are you doing for God? 
Who are you inviting to God? Who are you, who are you teaching a Bible study to? Who are you sharing a meal with? This is what's going to happen. You'll see this coming soon. Is we're going to be challenging every family in our church. Every family in our church. We're going to be challenging every family in our church. You can pick up at the first of the month. It's going to be, a, it's going to be a, a, an opportunity for you to read a scripture and a little bit of content and then have a prayer. But this is what you do with that. You take that and then you invite one person that's a part of TPC, our family, one family or one person, you invite them and you invite, you invite one person or one family that's not a part of TPC. And you bring them into your home or into an opportunity for fellowship, wherever that might be, and you spend time just bringing it together, organizing it, if it's a meal or if it's just some snacks or if it's 30 minutes or an hour, and you say to them, we want you to, my wife and I have been talking about this. There's people that we know already that we, we want to connect with in this year every few weeks. We want to invite those people to our home and share with them our food, our fellowship, introduce them to our friend, who were wanting to be intentional, have some of the same ideas or likes so that they have somebody that they're compatible that they just met from TPC. And then in that process, we're reading a scripture with a little bit of content and we're praying over our prayer requests as we conclude the evening. That's not just being optimistic that we're going to grow. That's putting action and hope to say, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to see if God will bless it. And the next few weeks later, it may be the same person or family, or it may be a completely different family that you're inviting. But if I can get a part of us to do that, can you imagine how many more people are going to be coming to your home? Are going to be, your friend group is going to expand. Your neighborhood is going to be connected. You're going to get connected to your neighborhood or your coworker, or somebody that you met or your family that doesn't attend church are going to get to meet somebody from TPC. What are you doing? I'm trying to just bring somebody to Jesus the best way I can because I know he can make a difference in their life. Does anybody believe that tonight? I believe that can happen. I believe that can happen. Pastor Sullivan, we got all this COVID out, up, breaking out, rising over. It's all kind of COVID. Somebody's got, we always going to have COVID. You just better figure this out. Brother COVID ain't going away. He's going to be here. He's going to be in another, whatever you call it, in another strain or something or another. They'll call it another name or who it is. I just rebuke the devil in Jesus' name, and I'm going to find a way. That's the enemy's trying to keep people out of church. I'm going to tell you about this. The enemy's trying to keep people out of the house of God, and the enemy is trying to convince people that I can't go anywhere, and they isolate themselves until they're overcome with oppression that ends up in depression, that ends up in suicide. And the devil is smiling and clapping all the way, but not the church. Be responsible. Be responsible. But do not have fear. God has not given you the power of fear, the spirit of fear, but God's given you the power to overcome. A sound mind. God's given you authority over stuff. Amen? 
So what are you going to do? I'm going to. What do we do about this guy who's lame? You can stand together. What are we going to do about this guy that's lame? We're going to take him to the one that can help him. That's what we're doing. If you're here tonight and God's working in your life, I need to welcome you to TPC. Doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. I need to welcome you here to a place where God can work in your life and do amazing things that he started. I think we have some here tonight that may have been baptized today. Right over in this section. Thank you for being here. Would you welcome our new friends? They were baptized this evening in Jesus' name. All of you. We're so glad you're here. We want you to meet friends and get connected to what God's doing here because God can provide for you and heal your bodies and direct your path and give you favor. Next time you come, just bring a whole bunch more people with you. We welcome you. And that's the way it is every service here. We welcome you. People who are, are getting baptized and what God is doing and people are being healed. There are multitudes of people and all kind of, God is doing some great things. This is our greatest hour. People are hungry for the Lord. Let's just help bring them to him. Help me get to him. That's the cry. That's the plea. Help me get to Jesus. Just help me. Lift your voice right now. Lord. We need you tonight. We need you because we want to bring people. We want to connect with people. Lord, help these people to help me get to you and help me to help them get to you. Wherever they are, whatever's going on, whatever their struggles, it's not the end. It's only the beginning. God's got a brand new life. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become brand new. There is hope in Jesus Christ. You become a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. God is doing something. Tonight, God is doing something. The remainder of this week, we're not just a Sunday and Wednesday church. Tomorrow, God, you're talking to people. Friday, you're talking to people. Saturday, you're talking to people. Every day, Lord, you're moving and you're ministering. Have your way. Lead us to a soul. Lead us to a family member. Lead us to a, a friend, a co-worker. Help us to be what you want us to be that we can bring them to you. In Jesus' name. And somebody said amen.